This is Amigos PC. If you were looking for a highbrow, fancy, smart, regal podcast with hosts that love to talk about horse riding, badminton, and trips to the vineyard, you're in the wrong place. This is Amigos PC. If you're looking for drinking, random nonsense, stunts, shenanigans, and balls-out craziness, you've hit the jackpot. This is Amigos PC, and this is Scott and Mark. Hello, welcome everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is the world's largest collection of official fan gear from all leagues, teams, players you love. If you enjoy our show and are looking to buy a new jersey, sweatshirt, hat, you can support us by going to podgo.co forward slash fanetics and get 25% off your next order. That's podgo forward slash fanetics. Fanetics officially licensed everything. That's good. A lot better than the last time. Oh, yeah. You stumbled through it last time. Yeah. But that was good. Uh, We have a special guest uh, joining us today. Antion, did I say that right? You said it right. Nice. And uh, I used to go by uh, Vic Briggs. That was me. That was, that was <laughs> so uh, it's very surprising that you're in. Uh, this happened to be like last minute and, and kind of random, and we're super excited uh, that you're able to come in live. Definitely to, live, to, yeah. To our recording location. Um, what brings you to Arizona? Well, I've been visiting Arizona for for a long time. I first played here with the animals in, a, in about April of 1968. Okay. Oh, very cool. And um, because of um, my, I, I hate to use the word religion, but we'll say religion, my, my my Sikh religion, I've been visiting the, the, the congregation here ever since the early 70s. Okay. And um, right now, we've been here since September. We're staying at a, there's a um, beautiful Sikh temple. Actually, it's called a Gurdwara. Which is near Seventh uh, Street and McDowell, okay, uh, on uh, on Oak, and uh, we've been staying there, and, and I've been singing there since September. Okay, oh, so, very uh, cool. Yeah, well, you know, it, it wasn't intentional to stay that long. We were, we had a hell of a time getting out of New Zealand, which is where we officially live right now. It took us three or four months and three flight cancellations. Oh, and um, we were going to stay in in Phoenix for about two months. Well, what happened was that when you go to back to New Zealand, you've got to go into quarantine for 15 mm. days. Oh, right? wow. So we started to set up the thing at the end of November. The quarantine was all booked up. Oh. So we uh, we booked into January. January 9th, we were supposed to leave. And um, then the airline is Cathay Pacific from from Hong Kong. We, we were going to go here to Seattle, Seattle to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to New Zealand. But it was all we could get. Oh, man. Well, Cafe Pacific canceled. So then finally we managed to get rebooked into the quarantine, booked with uh, United, but Air New Zealand's, you know, you know how to do this code shit. Yeah. Yeah. So so now we're due to leave February the 9th. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Nice. But we've, we've been having a grand time in Phoenix. Love the weather. Yeah, we had some uh, rain. Not, maybe not the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's good for us. We like we like it when we get the rain. Yeah, I we guess. hardly We hardly see it. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it getting as cold as it is. I'm no, originally no. from Wisconsin, and, and the winters there are awful. Yeah. 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 And so the, the colder it gets, I'm like, Ugh, like I need I need my summer to come back. <laughs> So you you have a very impressive uh, music career throughout uh, your life. Um, 
Can you give us uh, some insights, some backstories of, oh, sure. of the animals? And okay, I've got, just... got, got too many stories. You know, you know that, don't you? Where, where would you like to start? Um, I guess start off in maybe in England where you grew up, or, sure. or as far as like well, like kind of. Okay, so 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 to understand, you know, people do not to this day understand why so many great musicians came out of England and what happened in that particular period, mm-hmm. and we didn't really know. You know, we, we we didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> uh, oddly enough, in the same year as I was born, was born Clapton, Pete Townsend, Rod Stewart, a whole bunch of people. We were all, all almost exactly the same age. And initially, we grew up on a diet of um, light orchestral music because that's mostly and, and Pablo and Pop. Yeah, because that's what was on the radio, and there was a lot of music on the radio in Britain, and. If you don't judge it in terms of, you know, well, this stuff is schlocky, the music was really of a very high quality, you know, like like the light orchestral stuff. Like even in the States in the late 40s, early 50s, there was this guy, um, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he was having all kinds of uh, light orchestral hits. Oh, the guy that did, you know, you know, slow oh. and that kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And uh, so there was a lot of that kind of music around. Yeah. Well, we don't realize... It was this guy like coming into our blood, you know. So then, um, in in well, I could I, I don't want to go into too much detail. <laughs> but in the, in the mid fifties, there started a craze called skiffle. skiffle. Now, now the roots of skiffle are fascinating, but I'm not going to go into it. Skiffle, loosely defined, is Brits with acoustic guitars, cheap acoustic guitars. I hasten to add playing acoustic American music. Okay. Mm. Now, get a kind of perspective, right? In the, in the 40s and the 50s, even into the 60s, the Brits really had a very limited understanding of what was going on in the United States. They didn't realize that, you know, if you wanted to hear, like, black blues, you would have to go to one side of town. If you wanted to hear folk music like Woody Guthrie or, or guys like that, you have to go to the other side of town. Yeah, they, they didn't understand the divisions musically and racially in the United States. Right. So they just lumped it all together. They get these American records and they start playing this stuff, and um, it was a craze, and it lasted for two, three years, uh, and it, and it was given the name of Skiffle. Don't ask me how, but that's what it was called. Uh, the the Beatles started as the Quarrymen, a Skiffle group. Yeah. Right. So, like a lot of other kids, I was caught up in this, and my mother. Bought me a guitar. By the way, my father my father was American. Yeah, my, yep. I read that. I saw that. that. Yeah, okay. yeah my, my father was uh, uh, Second World War. He was captain in the uh, Big Red One, the first first infantry. Unfortunately, he was killed in the northern France a couple of months before I was born. Mm. So my mother got me this guitar, and I, I really took to it. I mean, it was like you know, like a duck to water. You yeah. Might say. Mm-hmm. So before long, I was playing in these skiffle bands, and then around the same time. Rock and roll made its way into Britain, but difference between rock, one of the differences between rock and roll and skiffle was you could get into skiffle for not much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to get into rock and roll, you need maybe a drum set or a, a, you know electric guitar and an amp and stuff like that. Well, yeah. we just didn't have that. Right. But we were all listening. We started to listen to Bill Haley because he was first. Then of course came Elvis, and then came Little Richard and Chuck Berry and Fats Domino and those guys. Yeah. So we were like, just as much as we'd absorbed this this other music, we were absorbing, you know, the the roots of rock and roll. Right. And then 
when uh, in about I think it was '58 when the when the Feds went after Alan Freed. Do you remember when the Fred, Feds went after Alan Freed? Maybe we've done a lot of Alan Freed was like the Pied Piper of rock and roll. He was a DJ from from Cleveland. That's what had the was he the was he the one that was getting all the drugs to to play records and like. Money laundering well, kind of I, thing, I, I, which I'm sure a lot of them did back then. But there was there was a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. There was but, a lot. But, but I mean, I think going. wasn't he getting like eight or wasn't pay he doing on, stuff to? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, the, the feds went after him. Mm. They decided to make an example. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis went to England with his 13 year old wife mm. and got totally canned. Chuck Berry was put in jail for crossing state lines with a minor group. You know yeah. what? Elvis was in the army. Bill Haley was getting too old. So, who knows how much it was planned or whether it just happened, but rock and roll kind of devolved. Yeah. And then there's all the, all the Bobbies, Bobby Lydell, Bobby V, who went, by the way, I toured with Bobby V once, really sweet guy. Um, Bobby Lydell, Bobby V, um, Fabian, mm, you know, Fabian. Yeah. and it was all really pretty schlocky. Similar thing happened in England. Well, by now, the scene in England was all around London because, you know, London was really the music capital. Yeah. And we, the musicians in London, professional musicians, we were playing this schlocky kind of stuff because that's how you got a gig. I mean, you, you know, we were like, we're doing covers. Yeah. 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 And there wasn't really any original music, but there was plenty of work. There was a lot of dance halls, that type of thing. Well, what we didn't know was up in Liverpool, nobody told them to quit playing rock and roll. In Liverpool, mm. Manchester. So... Um, is that where like the Stones or maybe like where your like no, Sabbath was or no, like no no no, 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 no way no, before that yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, yeah. 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 sorry I didn't it mean was, to jump the gun there no but, no, yeah. no that's right that's right <laughs> so it just so happened my my first professional gig I was with this band called the Echoes mm. and we went up to a, a town called Chester a uh, very nice town kind of historic and we were playing a, a week at this theater mm. well the piano player a guy called Ian Hines. He said, you know, we're not that far from Liverpool. He said, I was in Hamburg with some of these musicians from Liverpool, and they're really good. And yeah. we're like, oh, Liverpool. <laughs> no, 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 no. He said, in fact, the top band in Liverpool is called the Beatles. Mm. And we we didn't hear B-E-A-T-L-E-S. We heard B-E-E-T-L-E-S, yeah, which is yeah. the British equivalent of Bugs. And we're like, what a stupid <laughs> name. We don't want to have a name of a band like that. Yeah. He said, well... I'm going to call some of my friends and see if I can get them down here. So the next night at our show, these two guys showed up. One was tall, blonde, had a kind of a stutter. The other was shorter, dark hair, big nose, and a ring on every finger. And um, the tall guy was Rory Storm, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. And the, the other guy was, was his drummer, Ringo. Ringo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we met him, we talked to him. You know, they were real, real I mean... London musicians had a kind of a lot of attitude. These guys were like, hey, you know, what's going on? It was, it was, it was real chill, chill. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Very good. So, so they said, you know what? There's this club in, in Liverpool called The Cavern. And they have lunchtime sessions. You guys should get on the train. It doesn't take very long to get there. Go, he said, I'll fix it up with the, the guy that runs the place. You go there, you know, get on the stage, play a couple of songs. And just do, I mean, we were like, you know, delighted. Yeah. yeah. So um, next day we went, went to the cabin, and the band was Jerry and the Pacemakers. Mm. Oh, okay. And they, and they were, you know, real nice. Yeah. And that was a Thursday, and then um, we we talk, we we were working with this singer, a, a guy from India, as it happens, called Roly Daniels, who was really good. 
Um, so we said, well, how about we come back tomorrow and bring Rolly? I said, yeah, we'll do it. The guy would say, yeah, come on, we'll, we'll put you up on stage and we'll do a few songs. And blah, blah, blah. So the next day we came back with Rolly and the band was the Beatles. <laughs> wow. With Pete Best on drums. And they were like black greasy hair, leather jacket, leather pants, you know. They were, were. Were they all matching then too? Like yeah, where yeah, they were yeah, wearing all this. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, black, black t-shirt. Yeah. Black, black leather jacket, black leather pants, and grease back hair. You know, like yeah. yeah you know that the, the rock, the rock and roll style. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you know that's that's how I got to see the Beatles. This was September of '61. Wow. Yeah. With with your music and in the style you play on your well, you did back in uh, back when. Um, it's it sounded for the time being like very experimental. Like you and Hendrix have, uh, it seems like a good like a style that kind of goes together the way you play your guitar. Well, you know, Jimmy Jimmy once said, and I, I was really surprised to find. Well, Jimmy said, "There's a book about Jimmy. There's a lot of books about Jimmy. <laughs> this this was written by a lady who who's a, like a real close friend of his. Like okay, somebody who's really close to him." And in the book, he talks about me, and he said um, he talks about the the first night when he when he came down to this club called the Scotch, and uh, really took London by storm. Yeah. Well, that was when I met him. He was playing on my amp that night. <laughs> wow. And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Vic Briggs." Yeah. He said, "Really friendly and helpful cat." He said, "He said good guy." And then later on, um, this lady that wrote the book, she said to him, "Jimmy, what, what do you really want to do?" He says, "You know what?" He said, "I want to buy a bit of land." Build a place where me and my friends can come and jam. And she said, Well, who do you invite? He said, Oh, Clapton for sure. He said, Jeff Beck, if I could get him away from his cars. <laughs> and he said, uh, Vic Briggs, I learned from him. Wow. Was, That's wow. I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't find out about this till 2014. <laughs> so, you know, because, because you read that book or like yeah, somewhere yeah, well, you, know, was, you I, heard I, about I, it? I was, I was in the library in Hawaii. Uh -huh. Okay. And I saw this book. And when I see a book of that era, I always have a look in the index and see if my name comes up. You know. <laughs> nice. I mean, you have to, right? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you have so much connection to so many great, you know, player, you know, musicians such as yourself. It's great. You know what I mean? Like people that you met, like Rod Stewart and stuff that I was reading. You know what I mean? Like it. You yeah. Know, you've met although, so although, many people. Although I don't understand why. Rod Stewart totally left me out of his book. Oh, really? I don't know why. He, you know, we were in this this band together called the Steam Panger, and he mentioned everybody else in the band. But I don't know why. Didn't mention me. Oh. Well, well, you know, somewhere. <laughs> darn, <laughs> darn Rod. You, you almost want the notoriety, but then you're like, then, yeah, 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 yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you guys moved to New Zealand at some point, and you, you were saying before um, – you visit Hawaii often. We, 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 we lived in Hawaii. Okay. Mm. We lived in Told Hawaii. For, um, I was telling him that and he didn't believe me. He was like, they didn't live in Hawaii. I'm like, no, I think they did. Yeah, oh. yeah we, we, for 16 years. Okay. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Well, what happened was, and we're jumping way ahead. <laughs> that's, that's, guy, he, yeah, that's what he does. I know, I so, can't. Yeah, he doesn't keep on track. Right. So, can't, can't um, you know, basically, Alondra and I, um, we were part of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it what it was, a cult. Like, oh. a, like a spiritual cult. Okay. We, we were in it for almost 20 years. Mm. And um, right about the time that we were going, maybe we don't need to do this anymore, a friend called me up and invited me to go to Hawaii. So I went with two other guys. I just had a blast. And the next year, 
I took Alondra with me. And right about exactly the same time, we decided to get out of this, this cult. Mm-hmm. And again, I could tell you a lot of details, but we've got to keep, we've got to keep stay, stay, keep, yeah, keep yeah, 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 no, you're, yeah. Um, trust me, I uh, want to know, but <laughs> we can wait till after. Yeah, later, later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, um, I happened across this Hawaiian show that was like a, a group, actually a, a duo called the, the Brothers Casimero. And at the time, they were the top act in Hawaii. And I just happened to see their show just on an accident. Okay. And I was like totally blown away. I'd never heard anything like it. It was really moving me very deeply. I could tell it was very spiritual. It was very beautiful. Had a lot of heart to it, you know. And um, somehow or other, um, I just, I said, you know what? I don't know if I can do this, but I want to do this kind of music. And so um, we happened to be living in San Diego at the time. We flew back to San Diego. I went right out to Tower Records, and I happened to find a CD of these guys. Okay. So I took it home, wore the damn thing out. <laughs> this was 91, I think. Maybe. Yeah, 91. And by 93, we were living in Hawaii. Wow. And um, I, uh, I wanted... Yes, rolls in. She rolls in. <laughs> and now... His Hawaiian music, people wear it out. Nice. (laughs) That's one thing I did want to talk to you about. uh, With you you were doing rock and roll, you know, in London, and 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 you were with the animals and things like that. Like, what? Where was the progression to start doing this type of music? Well, or or, and and like getting into your spiritual journey. Yeah. Of. well, I mean, you, you said you didn't want to call it a religion, but you, basically where your your, your spirituality yeah, mindset yeah. is right now? No, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Well, it really started in 1966. Okay. Um, that was when the Stones used the sitar on Paint It Black. Yeah. George Harrison was interested in studying with Ravi Shankar. And I happened to be at Eric Clapton's place, and um, Eric was always very hip to what was going on, you know. And I said, Eric, I said, what well, What's all this with Indian music? Oh, he said, look, look. He said, and he, and he went over to his record stack and he pulled out two two LPs. Okay, remember LPs? Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. So, so he gave we're not me, we're not that young, but yeah. <laughs> so he gave me these two LPs. One was um, Indian classical singing, and the other was Indian classical flute. And um, I went to the import store where he'd gotten them from, and, yeah. I, and I replaced them. I gave them back to Eric, and I still have them. Still have both of those LPs wow. in, in New Zealand. And I just started falling in love with this music. And then I, I started getting into Ravi Shankar. Okay. And of course, that was, you know, Indian instrumental music has always been a little bit more accessible to Westerners than vocal music. The vocal music is kind of an acquired taste. Right? <laughs> yeah. So um, when I heard uh, Ravi Shankar, and in particularly his brother-in-law, uh, Ali Akbar Khan, who played a, an instrument that's something like the sitar, but these guys were doing these duets, and I got an album of their duets. And it was like, as a guitar player, I could relate that these guys were mothers, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, their, in their musical knowledge and in their technique. So that's really where I started getting into it. And then when I when I when the animals started moving to Cal- when we moved to California, all of a sudden there was a lot more. Indian music available because it was starting to be a big craze there. So that's really where I, I started getting into it. Okay. Wow. Do you have any like um, 
certain I don't want to say bands, but like, do you have anybody that you that you, you like now? That's maybe like like is that what you mean like more recent or like anything re, like you drew any, from like, you, you, to, to make your music now? Like any, any yeah, any inspirations? There you go. The word. Yeah. Well, the, um, I don't know why I couldn't think of the word. That's, right. this, uh, that's what the, I'm here the, for. This this guy Ali Akbar Khan. He oh. was he was Ravi Shankar's brother-in-law, but. His father, Ali Akbar Khan's father, was Ravi Shankar's musical guru. Okay. And, oh, wow. and this, this guy was like a giant. He was one of the giants of Indian music. So um, Ali Akbar Khan got a lot of this, this his father's music. I mean, his father used to beat him for not practicing. And he, wow. he, used, to, he used to tie him to a tree so he couldn't run away and make him practice. <laughs> so the, the guy got to be really good, but it kind of, I think it scarred him a little bit. Yeah. So he was a great influence on me. Okay. And um, then when I, I so I, st- I, I got out the music. Well, okay. I left the animals July of 68. And I went to work in the studios in Hollywood as an independent arranger and producer. And this was another amazing time because I was working with the Wrecking Crew. Have you ever heard of the Wrecking Crew? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Was that th- during Capitol Records? Or no? Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I was, I was doing it before I got up with Capitol Records. I was doing it during Capitol Records. Okay. And so I was, um, you know, using these guys. I was hanging with them, because because the wrecking crew was kind of fluid. It wasn't just one group of guys. There was, I don't know, maybe twenty twenty guys that you could consider to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. we were hanging out together, you know. And uh, but in addition to that, I was using some of these guys. Well, I was using guys from the L.A. Philharmonic, um, guys that played with Henry Mancini, jazz players that had been around for years and years and years. And, and they were working for me. I mean, wow. and it wasn't it wasn't an ego thing because I was actually very humble to be in their presence. But yeah. for almost without exception, they were great guys. You know, because that's in the studios in L.A. You better be a great guy <laughs> because they 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 are not interested in attitude. Yeah, nobody. I mean, if you're a you know an artist or a hotshot producer like Spectre, well, R.I.P. Spectre. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, then you can have attitude. But the studio musicians. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. So so it was very heady stuff, you know. But I was getting as much as I was enjoying the music and as much as my skills were improving, um, I was getting just shafted on the business side. And finally, I just threw up my hands and said, "I'm out of here." Yeah. I I want to be spiritual. I don't know what it means, but I want to be spiritual. Is that where you started to pick up like yoga and things like that? Yeah, or were that's, you, it, that's nice. exactly exactly. Oh, I, I I was out of the music business. By Christmas of '69, in January of '70, I started you know, very intensively. Okay. Yeah. Now, I one thing I did see one of your quotes was, um, "With yoga, you don't need drugs or anything like that." Like, where, where did that stem from? Like, well, this uh, this this guy that would our teacher that we were with for 20 years, a guy called Yogi Bhajan, very shrewd guy, very shrewd guy. I mean, we won't go into his ethics, but that's another story. <laughs> but he realized that um, these young hippie kids who were coming to his classes, they wanted to get high. Okay. So he would teach his yoga in such a way, it was very intense. He would teach it in such a way that you walk out of their life. But you didn't need drugs anymore. Did it feel like a kind of a euphoria that you had after doing yoga? Yeah, but it, it wasn't uncontrolled euphoria. It was like, okay. you know. Oh, you, it was a control, which is better than the drug. Yeah, option. exactly. And, it's, you, you and, and you know, it. even even when I was doing drugs, and I was only ever doing like, you know, uh, 
marijuana and LSD. I never went to the chemist. Um, there was always this feeling that your body was not not liking it. But with the yoga, your body felt great. I dropped about 30 pounds. Okay. And I uh, got to be skinny as a rail. And I could twist my body. Well, I... I, I, I could never quite twist myself like a pretzel, but, you know, I got to be a lot more, you got flexible. more flexible. Yeah, more flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And that's where you met, uh, you, you married, right, or, or no? Well, that's another story. Spiritual bond. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, somehow or other, I don't know if I volunteered or if it was my girlfriend at the time, who was, even though she was American, she didn't much like L.A., <laughs> Uh, I think she wanted to go and live in London, so somehow or other, I got volunteered to go and teach yoga in London. Okay. Which I did. I started teaching, and uh, that's also where I started really getting into the, the Sikh sacred music, singing, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And one night in uh, probably the early summer of 1971, I was teaching class, and all of a sudden, this incredibly beautiful woman walked into class, and she was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And she, she, she was wearing hot pants, which oh, you know, yeah. that, that was kind of the thing. And after mini skirts, briefly came hot pants. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? This woman gets all the attention she can handle and probably a lot more. So I'm not going to take a damn bit of notice of her. <laughs> I didn't talk to her for six months. That's smart because you're you're playing like you don't you don't notice her. He was playing hard. Smart. It was really smart. Smart, <laughs> nicely done. We've been married forty eight. It's going to be 49. 49. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Now. Good run, guys. So, so. He was smart. So, this, <laughs> this was, this was the, early, like I say, early summer of 71. But on December 27th of 71, that night, I was going to teach yoga class, and only one person showed up. <laughs> nice. Your number one fan. Number one fan. Nice. Well, she 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 wasn't back then. I, 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 <laughs> right. In fact, I, I think she had a boyfriend back then. Oh. oh no, no. I was your already your number one fan. I was your. You were singing at the end of class, and I was your groupie. And now I'm your <laughs> eternal groupie. <laughs> nice. See, that's so, why I love is music. One and the goddess, because there I am. I'm the goddess. <laughs> I tell I you like what, it. we've been we've been together as you heard forty nine years, almost forty nine years. Haven't always been happy. Oh, but no, I've never yeah. been bored. <laughs> that's, that's, sounds like a marriage for sure. <laughs> Do you have advice for somebody oh, yeah, to, for... to last that long? Yeah, well, somebody just asked. You're going to oh, get really? an answer. Oh. <laughs> somebody just asked on Facebook, and I said to him, "What's what's your answer to that?" And he said. I said, Maybe I said, you I said, say now. Right, it's all right. It's all right. It's too late now. I said, <laughs> I said, plenty of good sex, but don't put that on Facebook. So, of course, you went, you went right to Facebook. So, I immediately put, did. Put it, yeah. Plenty of sex. No, actually, it's if you. Everybody loved right it. Now. If that you, is true. If, if, that's, they said, that's the secret. If you, if, if you want some serious advice, I'll tell you. If a, if a man wants to keep his woman, a man has to find out what his spiritual path in life is and stick to it like glue yeah, and focus on right. spirituality. That's right. Because that, yeah. that gives a woman security. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, life purpose, to, for a man to have a life purpose, to focus on that in, and, and also live in integrity and honesty. These things are really important and they've kind of gone by the wayside these days. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah everybody's true. leaving everybody at, you know. Yeah, there's really no... They're not, they're not working on it. When he managed to ignore me for six months... 
I knew that he had the commitment. I knew he had the strength uh, to last. He wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to fall apart later on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's the way I, to I, do wouldn't, it. I wouldn't go as far as that. I haven't fallen apart a few times. But you know what? Whenever I've fallen apart, she's been there for me. It's been yeah. amazing. It's awesome. Did you guys ever, and I didn't see, did you guys ever end up having any kids or we want do. any kids? We have two girls. Two girls, okay. One, one lives in uh, near Sarasota in, in Florida, and the other one lives in Arlington near Dallas. In oh, Texas. awesome. Yeah. Marathon runner and fitness trainer. Yeah. Both born on his birthday, oh, yeah. Valentine's do you, Day. Do you oh, make wow. Sure, do you make sure that they, that's, wow. Both of them? That's, <laughs> what are the chances Both of there? All, all, all three of us on Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you make sure that they that they do yoga or do you like, did you ever push that on them to do yoga? Yeah, uh, the, yeah as yeah. a child we, we did. We, yeah. we, we pushed it on them too much. Yeah. But, the, 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 but the funny thing is that they're actually started to do yoga. On their own. It's, it's only taken them 40 odd years. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, as Alondra said, one of one of them is a is a physical fitness trainer by profession, although she's not doing it much anymore. And the other one is an ultra marathon runner. She does these wow. one hundred and fifty miles. Wow, well, it's it, it's yeah. unique too that they they've settled here in the U.S. You guys have been everywhere. Is there yeah. a particular reason that one's in Dallas and one's in Florida? Well, they, they, they love the United States. They, uh, yeah. they yeah. think this is the greatest. They yeah. were born here in California, okay. and, and they never want to never leave. left. <laughs> they've been around a bit, but they think this is the greatest, and so do we. Yeah, but, oh. but, but they both have New Zealand passports. Okay, nice. and, you know, yeah. as well yeah. as. An escape, escape plan. So nice. it's like du- dual citizenship. <laughs> They'll never yeah. use it. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. It yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So I know, I know you spoke about, you know, the, I know we're bouncing back, but in the in the 60s, you know, when you were in L.A. or area, right, did you ever go to, like, any crazy parties that maybe you want to talk about that maybe you went to that maybe you, or maybe you just showed up and saw some crazy or? You know, the, fine, fine. I, I don't remember going to too many parties, but. We, well, we you were, were the party, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but our our hangout was the whiskey. Okay, there you go. And we were in the whiskey. Maybe not every night, but we were there a lot of nights of the week, and it was it was pretty but, amazing. But I did. You partied? Okay. What kind yeah. of parties did you guys? Did well, you end up going to? well, uh, you know, with the with the um, all the the royals and all the famous people, all the people I worked with, Roger Moore and Tony. Curtis and Gregory Peck and all kinds of famous people. We got we had parties, we got together. Really? Yeah, that's cool. yeah, yeah. That's Those awesome. were celebrity days. <laughs> yeah, you had you were in quite a few of the uh, the I don't want to say they're they were like vampireish movies, right? Like they're, yeah, they were, yeah, they were vampire-ish they've, movies. They've, been, <laughs> they've become cult classics, whatever that means. They have conventions around the world. They're always inviting me. My signature sells yeah. for three hundred dollars or something. Just you know, they were faking my signature to sell. It's really? amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Do you go a, to like the convention things like that, or yeah, like any like? No, I haven't actually been. Uh, Antion thinks I shouldn't go, but um, you know. But it was, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was really fun. <laughs> it was fun. But then when I saw no, his wasn't. aura, no, it wasn't. You, you said you hated those parties. <laughs> oh, the parties. Oh yeah, because you know they throw food at each other and they, they do. Yeah, yeah. In the party, you know. See, oh, see, power corrupts. That's what I learned. You see. I Power corrupts. They had so much money, so much fame that and they had matters. no character, yeah. no no integrity. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, you know, and so that's why I fell in love with this guy. He had character and integrity. And yep. 
and uh, you know patience, <laughs> patience. Yeah. and all the men were falling and, all over and, themselves and for yoga. me all the time, and I had no respect for that. Yeah, you know, so yeah, he was. You had my to find the right one to teacher. ignore you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Unfortunately, I can't ignore her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what? Unfortunately. No, I, what, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you have any? Uh, the only other well, so there was something that I that I that I read something about that you you were tied to, or maybe I don't know how much tied to, but you're part of the Casino Royale soundtrack, or is that maybe the? A song that you had maybe through the animals? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I was just so fortunate. I worked with some amazing people, and two of the people I worked with were Bacharach and David. Okay. And what happened was that pretty much right after I joined the animals, I, I, I got a call from for our manager, Mike Jeffrey, and I was like the go-to guy. He was making all these movie deals. Okay. So he called me up. He said, "Look," he said, uh, "I've got a deal for Eric to sing this song for the." Casino Royale. This is the original Casino yeah. Royale, not not yeah. the you know Sean Connery one. Yeah. No, no, no. No, the, it wasn't no. Sean Connery. Well, it was like like uh, you're talking about, uh, well the you're thinking of Daniel Craig was the new one, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. the old one is I don't know was that it's Roger Madison. Moore or oh, was no, it? no 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 it was, was it was it? like it was a total kind of spoof thing. It was it was a mess. Oh okay. <laughs> so um, so I said yeah yeah that's cool I'll 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 make the thing work so. Um, somehow or other, I wound up going up to, to Burt Bacharach's hotel room. Okay. He'd just come to London, and it was January in London, freezing cold, and here's this guy, you know, tanned, and you, you know how good-looking he, he is, right? You know, and I mean, I, I'm not gay or anything. Like that. <laughs> this, this is amazing. And he had Angie with him. He was married to Angie Dickinson. Hmm. And um, she had this little baby. You know, she just, she just had a baby. And they were they were like California friendly. I'd never met Californians before. Okay. So I wasn't used to it. It was like, oh, these people are so friendly. Well, wow. London, Londoners yeah. are not like that. At least they weren't in those days. Yeah. No. But anyway, Bert had a, a moviola. Uh, you, you probably don't know what a moviola is, but in those days, before video and all that kind of stuff, it was like a machine, and you put the the the, the film on this thing, and you. Well, it was electric, you know. Crank it, yeah. Crank it. You look into the box. It's like a almost like a picture box in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Watch it. So he showed me the sequence, and then he said, "Okay, this is this is how it goes." And I, I think he gave me what's called an acetate, like a rough recording of the thing. You know, so okay, Okay. fine. fine. I thought thought that was LSD there (laughs) at first. Sorry, but (laughs) so that was um, later. That was later. So I got the guys in the studio. We recorded the backing track, and then um, uh, we arranged. A day or two later, to ha- to bring in some horns, and I wrote wrote a chart for the horns, you know. Yeah. So the horns came in, and that night, uh, let's see, our, our producer Tom Wilson was there, Michael Jeffrey, our manager was there, Bert and Angie were there, and Hal David was there. And everybody go, oh, great chart, great chart, you know, so okay, fine. So all <laughs> all that was left was for Eric to put his vocal on. So you know, I, I gave him the the acetate with the recording, and I said, look, we're going to do it on Saturday, blah 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 blah. So Saturday, this is, I mean, we did this thing in the middle of the week, and then I, I set up the session for the Saturday, the vocal, vocal overdub. So Eric came in, and Hal David was there. No, Bert didn't come to that one. And Hal David was a bit more dour than Bert, but, you know, he was, he was an okay guy. Well, Eric came in. He hadn't learned the song. Yeah. He didn't know the song. <laughs> so I'm, like, trying to, you know, I'm going, 
this is so unprofessional. I didn't say anything, but I'm going, this is so unprofessional. <laughs> So I'm trying to have him record one line at a time, and blah, 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 blah. And finally he left, and, and Hal David turned to me and said, he said, I can't use that. I said, I don't know. I said, I'm really sorry. I apologize. And that was pretty much the end of it, except about two weeks later, I was walking down the street in New York. This was in London, all this stuff, right? I was walking down the street in New York, maybe it was Fifth Avenue, I don't remember. And at a, a stoplight, there was Hal David. So we talked a little bit, and um, he invited. He said, "Oh yeah," he said, "I'm, I'm recording Dion Warwick." I said, "Well, could I stop by?" He said, "Sure, yeah, come on by." So um, a day or two later, I went by this studio in New York, and there was Dion Warwick, you know, recording, and it was just it was just like a really cool thing. Wow, yeah, yeah, it was just hanging out. It just happened to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I have to say this. No, I I mean I'm a huge Backrack and David fan. That song that they gave me. It was the worst Baccarat and David song I ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> and it was Peter Sellers. That's who was in yeah, that Peter one. Yeah, Peter Sellers. And that's who was that Woody, bond. what's his name? Um, Woody Allen. Oh. Yeah, Woody Allen. Yeah. He was in it too. And I think the whole thing was a total cock up. Yeah. The Woody Allen it, was it in it? Did, yeah. Oh, yeah. It oh, did wow. well. Did I it? mean, based on the numbers. Right. The budget was $12 million. They did 41 But That's pretty good. Yeah, for back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, was that or any movie really? Was it was that the movie that The Look of Love was from? Uh, is that the movie that he was in, or who? Well, that the song, The Look of Love. You know, the uh, Look of Love is in your eye. That's a good question. The song that was in the movie, yeah. Oh, uh, there, there, there was songs in the movie because there's a soundtrack you know, on there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah no, don't worry, it's just, <laughs> just cool. but actually that um, uh, Dusty recorded that, and uh, I was with Dusty for. Not that long, from February of 1965 to about July. But it was really a wonderful experience. Yeah. Dusty was, you know, every night on stage, right, when she started, not when she started singing, but like some point in the, in, when she was gone, I get chicken skin from her voice. Mm. You know, oh, that's so, so cool. And it was, it was really a lot of fun working with her. Great talent. Great, great talent. That's awesome. Was there anyone that you didn't work with, you know, when you were, you know, musically coming up that you wanted to work with that you didn't or that maybe someone that, that you wanted to meet, maybe that you never ended up getting to meet? Well, you know, it's funny because um, I met some pretty interesting characters. Like, um, so February of, of, of 67, I, I was in New York. This is when I, I ran into to Hal David. And um, Slugs Tavern is this jazz club down in the village. And it's it's pretty heavy area. I, I don't know if it's still open. I, I doubt it is. But it was known as, you know, a good place. So um, I saw that the George Benson Quartet was playing there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got a cab down there. It was cold in hell. Went in this place. It was Tuesday night. There maybe like 10 people in the place. Yeah. And up on stage, George Benson, just tearing the place up. So they finished their set. And uh, I went up to the set. I said, can I buy you a beer? He said, sure. I you know, explained who I was. And we sat down and had guitarist talk for about <laughs> 20 minutes. You know, on the yeah. Break. yeah. And it was just really cool. I mean, he was a really down-to-earth guy. And I, I knew who he was because he I'd heard records that he used to play with this guy called uh, Brother Jack McDuff, a Hammond Club. So I knew about his playing. And he was just really friendly, really down-to-earth. And, you know, guitar players can always talk guitars. Yeah. 
And then, then later on in, um, in, in LA, th this may not mean so much to you, but this is one of the greatest jazz guitarists of the 20th century. Um, we were doing a, a, a local TV show in, in LA, the Woody Woodbury show. And when we got there, there was a bandstand. It was, it was all pretty cool. And the, the musicians were there, they were bright. So I was kind of, I'm a kid. So I walked up on the stage. And there was a guitar case, and on the guitar case it said Joe Pass. So, so Joe showed up, and I introduced myself. He's like, "Hey, cool, where you staying?" And it, the guy was so down to earth and so friendly, and you know, he. I mean, he wasn't known outside of jazz circles like like George Benson was. Yeah, but. Joe was a fantastic guitar player and, and a really sweet guy. Yeah. So, you know, I was, this is all very heady stuff. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Just trying to think of somebody that I wanted to work with that I didn't. Yeah. I was, see, I, I wasn't so much into, you know, I was like, oh, would you like to work with Elvis? Yeah, I would have liked to work with Elvis, but, yeah. but I didn't care, you know. Yeah. I was really more interested in musicians. Yeah. Well, it seems like you have a lot of influence on them. I mean, look at Jimi Hendrix for one. You yeah. didn't even know he was going to mention you in his book, and then I didn't know him. and Hinton here here he is, you know, mentioning in the book that that he wrote, and you were actually a good influence on him. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he would he would take you to Guitar Island with him, basically. Yeah, really. what, you know what I mean. Like if you got to go on an island, <laughs> he would pick you to go. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, amazing. You know, you have that question where they say, "What do you take to an island?" You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, guitar, yeah. I, mean, I get it. Well, you take. Well, you know, anyway. I take my guitar with yeah. me. Yeah, but also like some Beatles of the great song. players too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, um, what? So there was some other. Well, I saw some other soundtrack stuff, which was Sky Pilot. Oh, Sky um, Pilot. That was yeah. in other stuff. Which do you, do you remember Sky Pilot? I did. I listened to it after I I looked that up. <laughs> but, but, so, but, so you're, you're not that old no yeah i'm not no but okay. I, I saw and i looked that up because it was in other stuff you know that i movies and shows that i've seen i was like oh yeah. wow you know i was like that's pretty well, cool well, sky, sky pilot was really interesting it, it was eric's idea i've got to give him credit uh he wrote the words to the song and some of the other guys put the music together but he wanted to create a, a tapestry really like a backdrop yeah and he said oh, he said i want a battle i want bagpipes so it just so happened that the band of the Royal Scots Guards were touring the United States at the time, and they were in L.A. So arrangements were made. I, I didn't have any part of that. And on a Saturday morning, we had about, I don't know, four, four or five pipers and a couple of drummers, and the pipe major, of course. That's to be the pipe major. So they came into the studio, these, these Scotsmen, and... Um, they said, well, what do you want us to play? I said, well, play anything. You know, just, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. So they played this song called um, Blue Bonnets Over the Border. And when I heard the song, I heard the tempo, I heard the key, or, you know, figured out the key. Yeah. And I said, we're gonna, what we'll do, we, we hadn't recorded anything. We're going to build a song around the bagpipes. So um, starting from the bagpipes, we worked backwards. So if you listen to, you know, Sky Pilot's in, it's really, depending on whether you hear it on an album or on a single, it's in either one or two parts. But it is in two two distinct movements, you might say. 
So the first part is just acoustic guitars and voices and drums and bass. Yeah. And then the second part, it goes from that, and it tells a story. It talks about um, a sky pilot, a, a padre, blessing the boys as they're getting ready to go into battle. And then at the end of that section, they go off into the battle. Well, then you start to go into the sound effects. You hear a, a dive bomber come down, and then you hear a bomb, right? And, out the, and men shouting and shooting and all that kind of stuff. And out the middle of this comes the bagpipes. And it's the tempo is exactly the same as, as the band. So when the bagpipes finish, it's an absolute seamless cut between the bagpipes and the band. So it actually goes, goes straight in. And then um, it, it tells the, the story that's being told is then the aftermath of the, of the battle. And then bring in um, strings and horns, flutes and things like that. I, I wrote the chart for that. And uh, the, of course the punchline of the, uh, of, the, of the song is, A young soldier so ill looks at the sky pilot, remembers the words, Thou shalt not kill, bum, bum, bum. Sky pilot. <laughs> so yep. that, that's how all that came about. That's awesome. Yeah. And you did a few of those. Uh, we talked about Casino Royale, and then we talked uh, about this one. Like, so was it just your manager coming to you with like, hey, we have more, you're, you're doing really good with these? I, how, well, how... Yeah, in that, in that period, like right after I joined the band, like I joined the band in uh, November of 66, there was about two of these things, two or three of these things came right up. Like, um, he called me up and he said, look, he said, I, I, um, we need to write a song for this movie, Stranger in the House, James Mason, I can't remember. Oh, Bobby Darren. Yeah. Bobby Darren was in it. Says, okay. So, um, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. So then Mike called me up. He said, he said, um, I just got the, the, the movie company called me up and he said, if they don't have the, the song by the day after tomorrow, the whole thing's, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> got the guys in the studio that night, put the whole thing together, mixed it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, and it, the song was called Ain't That Soul. And um, because Bobby Darren, he was this kind of heavy villain type, and he kept going, Ain't That Soul. Ain't That Soul. So, <laughs> turned into a song. Turned it's into awesome. a song. And uh, the, the the movie company liked it so much they used it three different sections in the movie. Wow. Did, so do you did you read the scripts to these movies, or no. did they just give no. you a synopsis? Just give like, yeah, just, yeah, just a like synopsis. What is, what they're gonna That's play. amazing, though. <laughs> wow. And they they had a premiere in, in London's West End, so they invited us. Right. So <laughs> so four of us, the band, Eric refused to go. But the four of us, the band, we all went down to the higher place and got tuxedos. Okay. I went to this thing, you know, with all the like Alanda said, all the hoity-toity people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the power hungries. And, and the movie was a stiff. It was so bad. <laughs> but the music was great. The music was great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. The inspirations, where it comes from. You know yeah. what I mean? Like as yeah, far as really. that guy telling you things and you wrote a whole song. Yeah. That's amazing. So oh. with this, this CD just came out, correct? The, this this album, yeah. This, no, this has been out since about two thousand three. Okay, 2003. Yeah. but it was, can it was we really get that on? You can get that on uh, like Apple iTunes. Music or? Oh yeah, yeah, or, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, my. It was recorded here in Phoenix, even though it's Hawaiian in nature. Oh really? We recorded it here, yeah. And uh, there's a, there's a company here called Invincible Music, and I'm now and I'm now recording a, a new album with them. 
Oh, that awesome. was my next That's, question. Uh, did I give you that? Uh, yeah, the MP3 flash drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so what, when, when you download those songs, give me the flash drive yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And, definitely. Uh, you can. That, now, th this is different from Hawaiian. This is we, we're doing um, Sikh sacred music, but we're calling it urban kirtan. Okay. And okay. we're there's some uh, you know we're doing kind of hip hop, which I'm like, I never thought I'd be doing hip hop, but. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. So it's, you're exploring again. I'm exploring. Well, yeah. my my producer's forcing me into it. Oh. Does that put you out of your comfort zone a little bit? Or yeah. It does. But, yeah. But um, I I'm finding that um, uh, now now I'm I'm pretty secure about about writing the text. I'm still not secure about my delivery. I got to do a lot more practice. I mean, I you know, I I can't sound like LL Cool J, whatever his name <laughs> is. But yeah, I've got my own style. That's and, awesome. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's you're you're expanding, you're branching out, you're, yeah, yeah, you're mixing it up, which yeah. is which yeah. is really good. Yeah, so well. when when it's done and you're like, I really like it, or I don't like it, would you decide to go into it a little bit more, or would you would you be like, you know what, this this isn't for me, or both, like it, like depending on how it kind of ends up. Well, I I had no idea that this was going to come up this way. Okay, <laughs> my my producer, who's a interesting character. Um, he pretty much forced it on me. He says, well, this album's going out with hip-hop, so you might as well do it unless you want me to get somebody else in. Uh. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know which way it's going to go. We're, we're breaking new ground. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how the, the more traditional Sikhs are going to take to this. Okay. Because it's got some pretty intense stuff on there. Yeah. But I think the young Sikhs are going to like it because um, they're getting really bored with the old way of doing things. Okay. They're looking for some different styles, so we'll see what happens. Do we have a release date of when that's going to be coming out, or no, is it still not yet? We're still working on it, but it's it's going to get finished over the next couple of weeks. At least my my part of it's because I'm leaving. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They have until the ninth, right? Yeah, that's Somewhere, right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So then you guys are going back to New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. And, and we we when we get there, well, first of all. We got to, 72 hours before we leave, we got to prove that we're COVID free. Okay. So we're going to get tested, get it written, right? Wow. Then when we go to, uh, I, I'm sure it'll be both when we check in here and when we check in in, in LA, LA, we got to provide the certificates that we're COVID free. Then we got to provide a certificate that we have a booking for quarantine when we get to New Zealand. Oh, wow. Then, of course, wow. the tickets, but, you know, tickets, we've got the tickets. So when we get to New Zealand, we will be met at the airport. Um, I don't know if they test this right at the airport or, but, or if they take us to the quarantine and test us there. But we're pretty much, once we they test us, we can't leave our rooms. Not that we can leave our rooms anyway, but we can't leave our rooms until the results of the test come back. So we'll, have, we'll, we'll be tested before we go, tested when we arrive, and I think there'll be another test before we come out of quarantine. And we'll, we'll be in a hotel. We'll be getting fed, presumably. <laughs> get, getting, our, getting our laundry done, presumably. <laughs> What what is Maybe. Uh, what is COVID like in New Zealand? Well, right that's now? the like, thing. Is it, is there, there, isn't any. Uh, there isn't any. There isn't. Okay. Well, that's not in, entirely true. They there just had some, one yeah. case over the last two weeks, where just one case. I, somebody I think was in quarantine two weeks, and after the quarantine, they developed it. But you know, it's just one case, and then yeah. they're making a huge big deal out. Is that recent, or was that a while ago, or like last well, year? Well, they, they they um, we were there. I think it was March when they did the first lockdown. Yeah. And um, it wasn't too bad for us because we live right next to the beach. Hmm. 
So you could go to the beach. You couldn't go swimming. Okay. You yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't go, uh, you know, stand up paddle boarding. Right. And the, the apparently the idea behind that was that if you got into trouble and a lifeguard had Somebody to, to help you, know, you. Had no, to, gonna, I guess you know, that doesn't make give sense. Give me the yeah, kiss of death, like you, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was it was a little strange, but we we were okay with it just because you know we we don't go out much anyway. Okay. So we we yeah. do go to the beach a lot. Yeah. I mean, New Zealand. I mean, why not? Know, why not? <laughs> Have to. That's yeah. awesome. What is your what, what? Okay, so if we were to go to New Zealand, is there a place that you recommend to go to? What are you looking for? I don't know. Okay, somewhere to eat. Because we look like we both look like to yeah. eat. There well, we go. I, I, what I, sounds I, I good to eat? That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks, nice. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. What would sound good to eat there? Or what would be a, a, a place that you'd recommend to go? Well, I wouldn't recommend eating New Zealand food. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. But uh, there's there's a, a lot of uh, ethnic restaurants. There. Oh, okay. A lot of good Indian restaurants, Chinese, Thai, all that kind of stuff. Uh, New Zealand food's kind of... Well, actually, it's not, it's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, like a lot of places over the last 20 years or so, they've gone foodie. Mm. So they yeah. have food channels, food cooking shows, that type of stuff. So they're getting better. They're, 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 they're practicing. Better. But, I, but I tell you what, um, first time I went there back in... Uh, well, the first time I went was with the animals, but that was 67. But in 81, I went to meet Rhonda's parents for the first time. And, um, you know... Some of the food had it. Really, it reminded me of British food. It was like mm. So bland. You know. Yeah. Meat, meat and two overcooked veg. Of course, I'm a vegetarian, so, but. The, uh, yeah. Well, it's even like London, isn't their dish um, tiki masala? So it's not even something from there, it's from somewhere else. Mm. Well, that's, uh, apparently that's created in London, that. that yeah. 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 <laughs> there's, there's so many Indian restaurants in London. Well, I haven't wow. been in London in years, but I know yeah. that's how it is. Wow. Yeah. Well, before we wind it down, is there one club that you enjoyed playing at throughout your, your journey? The Whiskey. The Whiskey. The Whiskey. Yeah. In, in L.A.? Is that in right? LA. Yeah. In Hollywood. West Hollywood. West Hollywood. Yeah. That was, well, the, the Fillmore was pretty good, too. For, you know, the film, of course, it became Fillmore West, but um, the original Fillmore Ballroom. How, how do you feel with, like, a lot of, it's, even since, like, the 70s, a lot of these bands went to these bigger stadiums versus, like, smaller clubs? Like, what, what's your thoughts Con- on... I mean, like, concerts versus... Yeah. Or, like, uh, stadium shows yeah, versus... Stadium shows versus, like, a, you know, like... Yeah. The, well, we, did, we we never played stadiums. We, we, did yeah. play the, we did play the Hollywood Bowl. We played the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm um, just trying to think of any other big venue that we played. I, I don't remember anything. That was the the Hollywood Bowl was probably the biggest. That's ten thousand people. Yeah, which is a lot yeah, of people, but, is, yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's not a stadium. Yeah, no, that's still. That's and, and of course, the, the the thing was that that in those days, um, we didn't have any equipment. I mean, no, that's that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But you know, the first tour of the of the states, we traveled in two station wagons <laughs> with all our gear and our suitcases. Man, yeah. Yeah, and we were, you know, we were like, well, wait a minute. We thought we were rock and roll stars here. <laughs> what happened? But, but all we had, we had one guitar, one amplifier, three times, because there was three guys. You know, yeah, guitar, yeah. One drum set. That was it. Wow. That was it. Well, you know, you can't do a stadium show with it. Well, mm-hmm. the Beatles did. I mean, they did Shea Stadium 
They had two rogue managers. That was it. They had Brian, Brian Epstein and two rogue managers. I don't know how they did it. Wow. Yeah. Well, the only reason I, I ask is it, I, I've you know gone to a concert at both like a stadium right. and something more intimate, and I, I feel like more intimate is better. Is a lot better. Oh, yeah. Oh, being yeah. close to the band, and, you know, yeah, the music yeah. surrounds you. There's not that many people there. I mean, well, it, that, it is that was that, that was one of the good things about the whiskey. It was really pretty intimate. You know, yeah. and you, you know, the audience was as close as, as I am to you guys. Yeah, yeah. they're mostly women anyway. So. <laughs> But yeah, never mind about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we appreciate that you came on. Yes, uh, we're gonna have a few of your tracks once I download uh, your. Yeah, okay. we'll put them on the episode as well. I yeah. would say right. Yep, throw yeah. them right in the oh, background, and then yeah, um, yeah. From there, I really appreciate that you came oh, out. Really? Is, there, is there anything else that you want to plug, or anything that you got coming up, or maybe the Alondra the book? Or do you want to where we can get that book at? Books on, books on Amazon. Amazon? Yeah, it's called, um, I'll tell you about it. It's called uh, From Stardom to Wisdom, Healing and Love Beyond the Spotlight by Alondra Kirsten Meredith. And uh, it's my wife. Very oh, awesome. She's amazing. She totally is. amazing. And uh, I should say that um, this CD that is part Indian and part Hawaiian music, because he's he was... He's a, um, he's a star in several cultures, you know. He was he was. You're making him blush. He was, yeah. <laughs> he, well, actually, we were invited to chant for the governor, which was major. Oh, Hawaii. As oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. just breaking breaking protocol, breaking tradition, because you're only supposed to have kahuna who were born to it to do these things mm. and we were invited to do things like this he That's was the awesome. first to uh chant i uh, was the first to do a chant four minute chant written especially for him in the blaisdell auditorium in wow. honolulu he was the first a uh, non-indian to sing in the golden temple in india so oh, he's wow. a legend wow. In in uh, several cultures, really, you know. I'm a legend. I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> no, you're not. He's, he's very humble. He's that's too what he is. humble. Yeah. He's way yeah. too humble. I struggle to get him to get promotion for him. He doesn't want to do it. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because um, after breaking my ankle and having it healed overnight, smashed bones, everything oh, wow. proven by x-rays. Mm. I went to the healing field and um, and then uh, became a hands-on healer. And this music, this music is extraordinary for healing all kinds of ailments, cancer bones, all kinds of things. So I've, I, I've been, I've traveled internationally, been invited to teach. Uh, health and healing all over the world awesome. and done thousands of sessions and always play this music for the oh. sessions and sometimes miracles miracles yeah, there, cancer disappearing there, there's actually some pretty yeah. nice videos from this from this uh, on, on uh, cd on youtube okay yeah, yeah. yeah. I, under, under, under the name antion yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll actually link them in, yes. in when we drop ours on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. And, and we are going to be working on a documentary. There's a few people interested in making a documentary about our lives. It's going oh, to be amazing. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, wanna, I want yeah, to check that out. Exactly. No more of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we appreciate you guys coming on and uh, hanging really out with awesome. us. And really yeah. fun, guys. Thank, thank you so fun. much. Well, thank yes. you.
This has been the Amigos PC. Make sure to like, subscribe, and review us on all your podcasting platforms. Visit us at AmigosPC.net for our entire library of content and Amigos merch. Till next time, adios. Yeah, yeah.